Good morning, Mike Brumad. Hey, good morning, Jamie. How are you? Well, doing yeah. well. It's been a very, very busy news morning. Oh, my gosh. So. It seems like every day I think it's going to slow down next week. I keep saying it's got to slow down next week. Right? right? Well, I'm glad you're able to expand on all the busyness this morning and bring <laughs> us up to date with the new developments. Yeah, I, so. we're going to talk about that. And thank you, Jamie, very much. We've got so much to discuss. Uh, the border issue, we know that General McGuire, former uh, General McGuire, was on, uh, I guess he's still considered a general, but he used to be the head of the National Guard here in Arizona. General McGuire was on with Arizona's Morning News and is a wealth of information. If you ever get an opportunity to hear General McGuire speak in public somewhere, he's just a brilliant guy. And uh, anyway, he was talking about the border issue, and that's where we start this morning. The Yuma Regional Medical Center is still out about $26 million in the past year. What are the chances they're going to recoup that money? Um, and this is an explanation of why people are so upset. People are, tend to be very upset about this because you're talking about communities that are not wealthy communities. And they have a medical center like the Yuma Regional Medical Center there serving that community. And when you have that much of its resources tied up in people that are not supposed to be in this country. But again, being humanitarians, and that's what they are, charitable organizations and humanitarian organizations, hospitals, people that take that Hippocratic Oath. Um, they are bound by human beings. It has nothing to do with skin color. It's not about borders. It's not about where you come from. If there is a physical need, they serve that need. But it is doing it at the detriment to the community around them that this facility is supposed to serve. That's just problem number one. So the idea that there is racism and there is xenophobia and all of this going on, it just isn't. You're talking about more than just survival. You're talking about a community that gets a large part of its emergency medical services and medical services from this medical center. It's doing the same thing to food banks. It's doing the same thing to uh, the the uh, public safety aspect of what they do, ambulances and jail cells. And all of these things are being overwhelmed by something that, A, is not under their control, and B, they can't fix. So <clears throat> as people begin to ask questions about what's happening at the border – and when it's going to get worse, and we know it's going to get worse, this platitude conversation where people miles and miles away start talking about each other being racist or xenophobic because they want it to end, these people live it every day. And just to give you an idea of the kindness of the people of Yuma, um, we had Jonathan Lines on with us months and months ago talking about this issue. And when people were coming, when the Yuma sector of the border was getting overwhelmed and when the town of Yuma, the city, they were coming out, the people of Yuma came out to help. Uh, in spite of everything else that they are enduring, they came out to help because they see the humanity of it. So people were coming, and for days they were sitting along the American side of the border fence awaiting somebody from the federal government to begin processing them. And so they had very little supplies. So the people of Yuma brought them blankets and water because at the time it was cool at night. Blankets and water and other supplies they brought to the people to sustain them until the federal government showed up to process these people. And what ended up happening, just to show you, it, it's very a very good picture of what the border situation is really like. The good people of Yuma taking care of human beings, even though they shouldn't be there and even though they don't want them there, caring for their physical needs, bringing them water and blankets. And what happened because there wasn't a law enforcement officer for miles around, miles around, what ended up happening was the cartel members that had, had, had brought these people to the border came back across the border, heavily armed to the American side of the border, and stole the supplies 
that were left there for the immigrants on the American side of the border. That in one story is a microcosm of what the problems are at the border. And what ends up happening is you get into a conversation about the border and somebody that disagrees you with you accuses you of being a racist or a xenophobe or whatever else they want to do. And you end up defending yourself instead of all of us having this conversation. $26 million that was forked over in medical care at the Yuma Regional Medical Center, and nothing is being done to stop it from happening. You, you can you call anybody names you want to call names. That is an unacceptable thing to do. Arizona border mayors say Biden needs to do more, but troop deployment shows he knows there's a problem. <clears throat> and I think that that's one step already in the right direction. But with the sheer numbers of people that are coming across in seven days was just in a report yesterday on uh, one of the uh, border chiefs, one of the chiefs from Border Patrol said there were over 51,000 arrests that were made in a seven day period. 51,000 thousand arrests, about 17, this is an approximation, 17,000 gotaways in a seven-day period. Hundreds and hundreds of pounds of every kind of drug you can imagine, from fentanyl to marijuana, over $30,000 in cash, guns, a gang member, in a seven-day period. How are 1,500 troops across the entire southwest border going to stop this problem? The answer is it will not. And the Border Patrol agents know it, you know, and what they are doing protecting the other places of the border. So I think most people know how this works, but Border Patrol patrols the area of the border that are not manned by CBP, which is Customs and Border Protection. So the ports of entry that are guarded and checked where they are getting a lot of these drugs coming in vehicles and they're catching people that are being hidden in vehicles. That's CBP. It's Customs and Border Protection. Those agents, you will also see them at Customs in the airport. You will see them at our seaports. You will see them across the country in places, and that's CBP. Border Patrol, uh, they patrol the ports, uh, the, the non-ports of entry portions of the border. What we're what they are up against is they are up against the gotaways. They are up against a lot of the crime that's coming in. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it going to take, unfortunately, for America to take this seriously? And for me, it is a it is a no brainer. What are we going to do? Is this going to be something that is just being done to shut people up? And this is where the problem lies for me, because. If that's all this is, if you remember, there was questions it seemed like every single day for a long time after the vice president of the United States was put in charge of fixing the border situation. Vice President Harris was asked multiple times. It seemed like every day for a while. Are you going to go to the border? Are you going to the border one time? Because she has a habit. She has a very um annoying habit, but I don't think it's meant to be condescending. I don't think it's meant to be insulting, although it does seem that way when she does it. She has a, everybody has nervous habits. What do you do when you're nervous? And so when people would ask her, are you going to the border? She would giggle, which is an inappropriate thing to do with such a serious topic. And she giggled one time and said, not today, and laughed it off. And she got crushed by people in the media. It was it was a horrible way to handle the situation. So what did she do? She scheduled a border visit. 
She went to the very safe, very secure um, port of entry at El Paso, Texas, a very busy place where they're still getting a lot of drugs coming in. But it is a secured port of entry. She gave a press conference. I think she took some questions. She gave a speech um, and then she disappeared. She may have made a trip, I think, into the interior of Mexico. But then we have not seen nor heard from her on this issue since. Isn't that an odd thing? That the vice president of the United States is supposed to be the voice of fixing the border issue, and she has been absolutely absent the entire time it's happened. So the fear from a lot of people, and I would be one of them, is that this addition of 1,500 troops in an administrative role, well, they will be driving people, they will be assisting with paperwork and processing, they will not have contact with people that are in custody of CBP. They will not be making arrests. They will not be a part of any enforcement. And it's going to be 1,500 troops for 90 days. Is this nothing more than the same kind of political cover that the visit from the vice president was? And it's a it's a good question. Anybody out there that's upset that somebody would dare ask that question, I will tell you I'm happy that the president's doing something. But it is too little. Most experts would say it's too little. Senator Kirsten Sinema said the same thing. More needs to be done. The border mayors are saying more needs to be done. We're glad something is starting. But 90 days with the 1,500 administrators, and it wouldn't matter who they are. If they were civilian people, if they went out to an HR place, to an HR firm, and got um, – 1,500 people that could do paperwork, it's the exact same thing as sending in the troops in this capacity. Is this addition of 1,500 people political theater, or is there a plan in place that this is going to be effective in changing what happens at the border when Title 42 expires? Is word of this 1,500 going to stop people that are beginning this journey from making the journey? It is a fantastic question, and we're going to find out. We will find out when all of this happens. Coming up in just a few moments, we're going to shift to the economy. Um, here in the Valley, um, Phoenix specifically, evictions have increased by about 8% in April over March. We're going to talk about why that happened and what's being done about this. All of it's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time, as always. Um, we have um, a lot of the economy news that's coming in, the things that we are finding out about um the future, it's tough. We are looking at Metro Phoenix evictions, uh, actions climb in April. They went, they climbed from 5,823 eviction proceedings in March. That's the Maricopa County Justice Courts to over 6,300. Um, Valley evictions dropped during the pandemic moratoriums, but have been climbing most months since then. The reason why, obviously, this is a pretty obvious byproduct of what we've seen happen with housing costs continuing on the increase. We understand that there are some things that are part of the national inflation and some of it is local. The housing shortage that we are feeling in the valley, the growth that we are feeling as a valley – Along with the lack of new construction, there are things that need to be done. And this is where uh, I, 
I really want to be solution based. And we've had some guests and we've had people in from the building industry. We've had people in from the state legislature. We've talked with people that understands what the what the holdups are. There are a couple of things that work here. The extended period of time it takes from when somebody starts to submit an idea to build a project, especially multifamily dwellings, um, the time period it takes um, is very extended compared to where it used to be. I think we could streamline that. And a lot of that is local jurisdictions. It's not at the state legislature. It is local jurisdictions. I also understand the need for managed growth. I don't want to see anyone. I don't think we should be doing things in a haphazard way. Uh, I've talked about where I grew up in southwest Florida. I don't think they've done nearly the job as well as Arizona has done with growth. Southwest Florida had a huge growth spurt, late 70s, early to end of the 80s. Really, it was in the 80s that it happened where there was this huge boom in southwest Florida, the Gulf of Mexico, the we call it the Gold Coast, but the Gulf Coast of Florida really exploded in growth. And they didn't do a job like it's done here. It's done kind of haphazard. And I love the way this place looks as beautiful as Southwest Florida is and the beaches and everything else, the way growth has been managed there, I think if they had it to do over again, and they kind of do because they're going through it again now, it would be managed differently. The way they expand the roads and what they do and the infrastructure, I think it would be done differently. Traffic lights, things like that. But here in Arizona, we've done a good job of it. No one's talking about throwing that away. But expediting the process is something that is desperately needed for two reasons. One would be the time period to build new projects, but also the expense. Everything it costs to build a project, it's not just when you go out to general contractors and they bid the job and what it's going to cost to build a project and you take that raw cost and you divide it up. You've got infrastructure that's got to be put in. That's an expense that's gone into the price of every unit you rent or sell if it's a condo or a housing development. But it's also about these lawyers and engineers and people that you have to get through the process. All of that expense adds to the entire expense of the project. And so we are seeing two-tiered of why it's becoming more expensive for housing in the valley. There are, there's a lot we could do about this. There is a manpower shortage. A labor shortage is a part of this. But expediting these projects is another one. There's a lot of people, land developers that are really good at this. How frustrated are they knowing that things are necessary, that they could be shovels in the ground, projects being built right now, and they're not? So on top of that, the price increase of things, pricing people out – is also wage reduction. We are seeing big wage reductions because the job market is slowing down. Layoffs are starting to increase. Well, the job market is shifting. For the last, what, five, six years, we have been a, we have been seeing that it is a labor-driven market. It's a seller's market. If you have a skill set, especially if you have a skill set, you were very valuable, and employers were willing to be very creative in compensating you. Yes, you were going to make a good hourly wage if you were someone like I was worked on job sites by the hour, but they also were giving signing bonuses and retention bonuses and things to keep people in their companies. We were seeing benefit packages that were greatly increased. Well, things are shifting. There are less available jobs now than there were six months ago. We are starting to see layoffs happen, which means in order to retain employees, employers now don't don't have to pay so much. This is the part of this conversation that intrigues me. Because when you are an employee and you are demanding more money, you've got the writers in California on strike right now saying that they are worth a lot more money than they're being paid to that industry. And the industry is going to dictate whether that's true or not. 
And I wonder how long it's going to be, just as a side note on this, how long it's going to be before uh, chat GPT start writing television series. Uh, I don't think that's far away. But I digress from that conversation. They are having a conversation about how valuable their labor is to the industry. So they want to be paid as much money as they can get paid for the projects they work on. And that scene is virtuous. And I think it is. I think that everyone out there should fight for the value that they believe that they have. I don't care if you're a football player, if you're in radio or you're on a construction site or a writer of a TV show. You should be able to fight for what you believe your value is. But then when the tables turn and there are a lot more jobs or a lot less jobs available than people to fill those jobs and the employer now says, I don't have to pay you as much as I had to pay you before. They're evil for doing that. I don't believe that's true. That's that is part of the system that is out there. And and I'm just anxious to see the tables are turning for some people. Um, There is a 100 bed shelter. With a veterinary clinic that is opening in downtown, uh, and it is the city of Phoenix, I believe, partnering with St. Vincent de Paul. The uh, ceremonial groundbreaking was yesterday. Uh, Shannon Clancy, the CEO of St. Vincent de Paul, was there. So we found a lot of people who would not come in without bringing their animal with them. So they are going to have, um, you know, they are trying to, to accommodate people and trying to solve the homeless problem. And the best part of this partnership is the fact that the city of Phoenix is partnering with people that are experts in this area. And St. Vincent de Paul is. It is what they do. St. Vincent de Paul is one of the organizations that squeezes every penny out of every dollar that's donated to that organization. They are so diverse in the groups of people they help. They are so ingenious in the programs they've come up with to help people in many different ways. It makes perfect sense if government is going to invest money in something like this, take it out of the hands of the bureaucrats, partner with the experts in the private sector, and I think this is a phenomenal idea. Hopefully this gets done sooner rather than later. Coming up in a moment, um, I believe Zinsmeister's in again, and it's the big Q poll question of the day. It's coming up in just a moment. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Steve Z, how are you, man? What's up, Mike? Good morning to you. Good morning. I got the Gatos Big Q poll question. It's brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. You were uh, talking earlier about the 1,500 troops that are going to be heading to the border. Yep. President Biden, not the first president to do this, by the way. Trump did it. Pretty sure Obama did it at one point. So not a new idea uh, exactly. But the Big Q poll question, pretty simple. Is this going to fix the problems? I think uh, Senator Sinema said best yesterday, I'd rather have the 1,500 extra bodies at the border than not have them. Correct. But I think it's pretty foolish to believe that this would fix all of the problems that we have with our immigration crisis. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that's the big deal to a lot of people. Is this going to be political theater and like, hey, we did something, or is this a first step to a bigger solution? I do wonder, and, and you're you're much more in the know with the military community than I am, how do the people who are getting sent to the border feel about this? I mean, it's not exactly what they signed up for. It's, it's not the same as going overseas, certainly. And, and I made the joke yesterday, you know, what are they going to tell their grandkids? They did two tours in Yuma. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, it's it's just very different than what they originally signed up to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, for a lot of it's going to be blazing hot. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and let's be honest, these people are going to be pushing papers. Yep. They're going to be stapling things. They're going to be doing desk jobs. So it's not like they're out on the border and they're enforcing laws and stuff. They legally can't do that constitutionally. Right. Um, but I, I think Cinema brought up a good point with us last week when she said most border agents end their shift at night indoors. And that's a problem because they should be out and about and they should be doing their jobs. And this should help them do that at least a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like it. It's good talking with you, Steve. Awesome, Mike. Talk to you soon. All right. That's Zins Meister in for Gatos. And the Big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Just after 9 o'clock, we are going to talk about the shooter in Texas nabbed by an elite squad from the Border Patrol. It's all coming up.